My name is Valerie Payne, and this is the podcast Finding Unity. I started this podcast because of a personal experience that helped me to see the need for unity in our society right now. I hope that you will come along with me on my quest to find unity as we seek understanding, connection, healing, and love. As you listen to different perspectives, remember that it is okay to disagree. Unity comes when we can agree to disagree while maintaining a love for one another. Hi, I'm Valerie Payne, and I'm here today with um, John Pretorius. Um, This is my podcast, Finding Unity. Thank you so much for being on this, John. I really appreciate it. Thank you uh, for having me. Of course, Uh, yeah. uh, John actually knew Nelson Mandela and worked with him, you said, for 22 years. Yes. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and and how you you got to meet him and, and started that relationship? But let me tell you about how I met the greatest humanitarian alive in our century. Mm-hmm. Nelson Mandela was released in 1990 on the 11th of February. Um, it was an, a great moment, not only for South Africans, but a great moment for those people that colonialized so many countries all over the world. They knew that at a point that Nelson Mandela was going to be released, things are going to change. Mandela was preparing himself in prison, turning a dungeon into a university, where he have requested uh, uh, the Red Cross hospitals, uh, the Red Cross uh, as an institution, to give them books to start studying. Every single person, when they left Robbins Island, was either an advocate, was either a lawyer, was either a highly qualified person. Two to three doctor degrees. That is what Nelson Mandela did in prison. I met him in 1990, a watershed time in the history of mankind. When Nelson Mandela came onto the platform, there were only 200, about more than 250,000 people that were waiting for him. People were just want to hear his voice because, you know, the, the, the amazing thing is that nobody could see Nelson Mandela's face because he was declared enemy number one. And so they had this black thing across his face. Hmm. And that was people that would uh, grow up and say, why is his face have this black thing over? Um, and a lot of other people that are doing even more uh, or doing, you know, atrocities of, of killing people and killing human beings like you and myself um, without no reason. They are not having this black thing over their face. So it was the apartheid regime um, that made apartheid a law in South Africa. So apartheid was a law in South Africa. Now, I met him 
when I was studying. And uh, I wrote a song that um, uh, I used to love to write poetry, music. I was born in a musical family. My mother would play the piano and organ, and my father would play the guitar, and he would play the flute. He, my father could play any any kind of instrument under the sun. And my mother had this amazing, beautiful voice. My sisters could sing. I could sing, and I never knew I had this talent of singing and and writing music and hearing music uh, in my mind. And I wrote a song called Sekunjalo Kenako. It's two languages. One is Sutu and one is Tasa. That means now is the time. Dr. Martin Luther King spoke about this. Mm-hmm. Now is the time speech. You remember the speech? Yeah. yeah. And it was all for unity. Mm-hmm. Mr. Medella came out to say to the world, I come out not to declare war. I am coming as a mere servant of the people, mm-hmm. not only of South Africa, but whoever would like to be in contact with me, I will give them advice as far as humanly possible. Yeah. He was um, coming out of jail after 27 years. Imagine you have been hired for 27 years and you come out, the world is going to look different, right? Yeah. But he was keeping up to par in the best possible human way to say to even the prisoners that came in as political prisoners that when you fight as a per individual, you'll never be able to conquer such a giant. But when you fight as a collective in unity, you'll be able to reach your goal. So let us join hands. He went to the enemy, which was that time had a military stronger than at any point a given time in the world. They had nuclear uh, 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 capability that could wipe out the world with one nuclear bomb drop in the center place, in the stratosphere. They will release these kind of things. They will release, they were doing the chemical warfare, which is now uh, out of hand. Um, the apartheid regime. Mandela was telling them, we cannot kill people anymore. I want to talk to you, which is the former president, the last bastion of the apartheid era. F.W. de Klerk. Thank you for that man that had a heart of a lion to release Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. Thank you for him that make it possible that South Africa could take a different course. People are not respecting that Hmm. because they are racist Hmm. and say, uh, why should we say to a white man? And I was asking you earlier on, what makes you white? Because white looks different. Right? <laughs> I know. And it's a beautiful Who's thing. Who's actually white? Like yeah. the color white. You, you, you know? understand? Let's define that. Yeah. Because that is what's causing trouble. White and black. 
did you see a black person? <laughs> I've never. I, I've, I have never seen. Black is very dark color. Um, um, I have come across in Namibia about the most beautiful black lady with blue eyes. She was, uh, her father was Dutch and her mother, uh, her father was a German and her mother was uh, Ovambu. And she had a really amazing, beautiful skin. She was darker than Naomi Campbell. Naomi Campbell is brown, beautiful skin. And I think that this, you know, my skin and your skin are amazing. You know, we just have such amazing, wonderful uh, image that the enemy, the real enemy that we had to look out for are using the very same thing that God made us in different uh, colors, different shades of hairstyles, different eye color, different look. You know, this is what God found good and he blessed it. That's why his blessing is to multiply, to increase, to subdue and to replenish. That is God's blessing upon Adam and Eve from the beginning. He gave the same blessing to Abram. And he gave that blessing to certainly to Nelson Mandela because Nelson Mandela, I want to say to the world, when I befriended him, I realized that I was not busy with an ordinary human being. There was something great about him. The aura around Mr. Mandela was not a normal aura. He must have been praying. He must have been meditating. Mm -hmm. But looking at his smiling face and the amazing smile that he had, he took my hand and I felt the electricity went through me. And every single person from Sir Richard Branson, from the Queen, from the Pope, when they take his hand, they said, there is something very special about you. What is it? Then he said, I don't know. <laughs> he will, but the, the meeting between him in 1990 and myself, I, I must tell you that, was predestined that I will meet Mr. Mandela and I will become the song whisperer, if I can mention it that way. Yeah. Because Second Jalo Kinako brought me and Mr. Mandela together. Mm -hmm. When he heard the song for the first time, he said, I want to see this person that wrote the song. Yeah. That's how he sent a team of people to come to my university and asked me, uh, that he would like to have a meeting with me. The whole university was dismissed. Um, students could go home earlier because that he phoned the university and the vice chancellor couldn't believe that this was Mr. Mandela calling, yeah. looking for a certain person here. And once he he said that I must pack my stuff. I thought, oh my goodness gracious, I am, the police is going to come and fetch me now. And once the police come and fetch you, nobody will ever find you again. You disappear forever. Mm -hmm. 
What happened is that Mr. Mandela was just, when I went to go meet him for breakfast, he said to me, you wrote a song, which I'm extremely fond of at the moment. Can you sing it for me? I would have been so <laughs> nervous. <laughs> and I said, what is this man asking me? He's a politician or he's a leader and, and for, for, for human rights and for, for all mankind. And he asked me, I'm going to sing him a song. And I, 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 I just start singing. He said, stop. I had a vision of you. He said to me, and I said, wow, I, I was, you know, I didn't know what to say. I was dumbstruck. And he said, I would want you to join me in bringing back love, unity, prosperity, security to this beautiful country and Africa and the world at large. Will you join me? I said, of course, immediately. Not knowing what it all entails. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I was taken so aback, I, I, I was like, I'm floating, that this amazing man that I just read about in the newspapers are now asking me for something. I must sing a song. What is the song to do with fighting apartheid? What is the song to do with changing the minds? I always knew that music had an amazing impact on you. You know, you always associate a certain song with a certain moment of time in your life. Yeah. Say, uh, you know, a certain song that will just come up in your mind and you said, I remember, Mom, Dad, do you remember when I was little, I would sing the song and, you know, it brings up beautiful memories and some other songs make you sad. But this song was something that Nelson Mandela said. He wants me to open every single platform, wherever he's going to speak, he wants me to open the platform for him with a song. I see. Yeah, that, 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 that was, <laughs> it was the most incredible thing. Yeah. I, I felt so humbled. I went on my knees that night and I prayed like never before. I asking God, saying, what shall I do? South Africa is in a violent state. It is shoot to kill. There was no other way to put it. The South African regime used life bullets to kill you point blank. So, meeting, meeting my at that point in time, Mr. Mandela was not only just a normal person for me, but meeting him as, a, as an icon. I, I want to say to you the following. By reading this, that was in, in the newspapers, um, meeting my legend. Yeah. On the 11th of February, when he was released, I wrote to his son, his grandson, Mandela Mandela, which is now... Uh, the hair, and the, he's following up in Mr. Mandela's uh, uh, footsteps. I said to his grandson on the 30th of the, his 30th anniversary, which was last week. Wow. Yeah, that he was released from prison 30 years ago. Wow. That was amazing. You know what happened? Um, 
I couldn't sleep the night before that. I was so excited. He's been at least 30 years now. And I wanted to talk to somebody. And then his grandson phoned me and said, how are you? Um, I hope you are going to do something for us in the United States where you are right now and um, bring a positive message. I want you to read something to some people where I am now. What was your most uh, uh, amazing moment with my grandfather? And I said to him, my heart eloped as Mr. Mandela took my hand and nodded his head as I started to sing the very famous song that he loved, Sekunjalo Kinako, which means now is the time. The crowd of about 250,000 people on the Grand Parade in Cape Town erupted spontaneously in dancing, singing, along with joy in their hearts to the defining moment of sheer Nelson Mandela magic. I knew then that the optimism for the future of a bright new South Africa was palatable in every corner of South Africa and Africa, and that no force in nature could stop the immutable birth of a new democracy. This glorious moment marked a new beginning for tens of millions of South Africans, Africans, and the rest of the world who had always been denied their quest for human dignity. I sung my heart out that day, as I told his grandson, literally tasting the tears of joy on my tongue, as Mr. Mandela joined me and joined the crowds and rendering a dancing, his, his famous dancing that he came and he started <laughs> dancing, the cameraman, and I just saw everybody was moving and people erupted. They were just, oh my goodness. When Mr. Mandela started dancing for the first time next to me, it was like everybody was just on the stage. This 250 people seemed like one person. Wow. that's And that's, that's a great aspect of unity, like you said it. Like it's, that music, that dancing brought everyone together as one. As one. Yeah. And... The people for the first time since colonial rule in South Africa and in Africa, black and white or whatever creed they're coming from, celebrated in unity a moment of peace, love, prosperity. This momentous occasion was broadcast to billions across the globe as I've never witnessed so many cameramen in my <laughs> life and broadcasting teams from all over the world that eternalized this glorious moment in the history of mankind. He used the influence of his position at the risk of his own reputation to inspire millions across the world without partiality, mm -hmm. but in the name of unity, reconciliation. Yeah. That was what he so badly prayed for, wanted. I love that so much. And I just, I was thinking about, um, I actually read a part of his autobiography. And um, I really like this. I'm just going to quote him. Please. Um, and I like this example because I feel like right now in the United States, we're in a very politically divisive environment. I, I can see that. Yeah. And so I love this example. He talks about meeting President Bush. 
and how him and President Bush Sr. Um, differed politically yeah. on some aspects. But he says, even before meeting President Bush, I had formed a positive impression of him for he was the first world leader to telephone me with congratulations. It talks about how they, they disagreed on sanctions. And he says, reg- talking about President Bush, he was a man with whom one could uh, could disagree and then shake hands. Yeah. And I, I just love that example because I feel like right now we're in this world where it's like, oh, if you disagree, you're a horrible person. Yeah. But I feel like um, President Nelson Mandela, his message was like, finding that core love for one another, focusing on that. And then if you disagree, still love the person. You still love him. Yeah. Which I thought, I just think that that's such an important message. Um, After they called Mr. Mandela many times uh, with a K word, um, like they called here, the N word, Mr. Mandela will come up to you and will take you and say, please come and have a cup of tea with me. And he he emotes so much love. Yeah. I'm asking myself, who is this man? I am studying towards a, a, a doctorate in psychology where I'm trying to analyze him, dissect his personality every day when I'm with him. I said to myself, this cannot be just a normal human being because if you have taken something away from me say something that I value as precious like my life mm-hmm. 27 years of my life yeah aren't you going to be better aren't you going to be angry coming out there and say I was locked up not doing anything wrong mm-hmm. but you who have implemented these laws to say that I, and his most famous speech that he was doing is was the speech that, his Ravonia trial speech that he delivered, uh, where he said that was an ideal that he cherished, you know, and prepared to die for. Not to see black dominance against white people, white dominance against black people, but that all are equal mm-hmm. in front of the living God. Yeah. So it transformed my life in the time where I met Mr. Mandela. I became profoundly aware of who I, I have now become. I've now become an activist in singing. And the song, Now is the Time, is like so amazing because I, it came in a, in a vision to me. Mr. Mandela just loved it. And he said, once the, the newspaper guys, they deliver your newspaper and the children are going to sing the song, you must know that you have made an impact. And one day I was driving. We were all on the, in, on the, in the convoy with Mr. Mandela. So I was sitting next to him. And I heard this, you know, this, the, the, ch- the children that normally run to the car to ask for, can you please give me something, you know, the, the, the needy children and hungry children. 
he starts singing the song Second Jalo, and I said, oh, no, it cannot be. There, Mr. Mandela's words resound in my ears and resonant. It's like, wow, it's happening. Yeah. The great moment has arrived. You've been able to do that um, in other opportunities as well. In 2010, you were asked to be a part of the... The or- first, the first uh, soccer World Cup that came to Africa. Oh, yeah. Since the existence of FIFA, yeah. there was never a World Cup. And you know my people in Africa love soccer. They love soccer. Soccer is the greatest sport alive. FIFA have made it a trillion-dollar industry. Um, and here uh, we were... There were so many countries that wanted to host the 2010 World Cup soccer in Africa. Uh, So you have to go and pitch in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Now, all of us are excited. We say, okay, um, this is a moment that is also going to be a defying moment to bring our nation together. Great. uh, In unity. Mm -hmm. So I I said to them, because Second Jalo is a song for unity and peace, and prosperity and reconciliation, now is the time for that mm-hmm. in America. I am calling of all Americans to really take each other's hands because this mm-hmm. is a, a beautiful country. Mm-hmm. The people love each other here. Mm-hmm. But what the leaders of the country are doing is to tear the people apart. They have lost interest in the common man. They have lost if even interest in their own families because it starts with the family. Why are we having Thanksgiving Day in the United States? It's not only to give thanks. It is there for us to, to, to bring the families back yeah. to unity, to say, son, my daughter, forgive me mm-hmm. for what I have done. Forgive me. The son will say, or the daughter will say, Dad or Mom, for what I have done. It is a time being giving, and time is ticking and ticking, and it is getting to a level where it is actually unbearable. And I think going back to Thanksgiving, you said a time of forgiveness, and I think a time of Thanksgiving. I think we forget to be thankful, yes. you know, on Thanksgiving or even throughout the year. But do you want to talk a little bit more about um, that experience because of, of doing the song during the World Cup? Didn't you work with Jermaine Jackson? Did yes, I? Okay. yeah. I worked with Jermaine Jackson before um, um, even the World Cup came to South Africa. I know the Jackson family for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've met Michael, um, what an incredible human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, we called him Smelly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and he fondly uh, loved him. Uh, he was the first Jackson I met uh, in Mr. Mandela's office. Wow. Um, he was an incredible person. He gave Mr. Mandela 10 million US dollars. Wow. Um, but just giving it from the bottom of his heart to say this is for for whatever you need it for. And if you need more money, I will even arrange concerts. Whatever you want, I will be there to do these concerts. Michael did three concerts, and all the money went for the courses that Mr. Mandela wanted. The children's fund that Nelson Mandela had, the charities that Michael had, and also all the other things to help poor people, uh, to build houses, 
to give them clean water. You know that in my country, people are still walking up and today, miles and miles just to go and get water from a well. I haven't been to South Africa, but I've been to Kenya. Yes. So, yeah, I've, I've seen that firsthand. And the yeah. woman will carry the water mm-hmm. on their heads, and as they're talking to each other, they will walk back. They will leave the house early in the morning to go and fetch wood mm-hmm. and water. Yeah. And, you know, there's love. Mm-hmm. There's unity amongst that that poor family. You can actually go to a very poor family in Africa and you'll see the, the most amazing love and peace yeah. and unity That's amongst amazing. the people. Yeah. They are so beautiful. We are beautiful people. Mm-hmm. And so many people are, are coming forward to say, I'm human. I'm not a people. There was, there was this greatness. We were flying to Uganda. The turbulence was was more than just turbulence. Yeah. We thought the plane is going to actually crash. Wow. The only person that wasn't nervous was Mr. Nelson Mandela. He was sitting reading a newspaper. While we all said, oh, we're going to crash. And in that plane was very powerful people. Mm-hmm. Jesse Jackson was there. Uh, Andrew Young was in that plane. Um, I don't know if Mr. Bill Clinton was in that plane or... This was highly uh, uh, powerful leaders that were in the plane. We sit sitting in this plane and the the one engine is a problem with the one engine and this plane is going like, oh, we're going to fall. You know, this is the May Day, you know. Oh, yes, the the founder of Reader's Digest, the the owner of Reader's Digest, was sitting next to Mr. Mandela, Mm -hmm. interviewing him on, you know, one or two story in Reader's Digest and... Uh, of this remarkable person. And Mr. Mandela was talking to him, but when the plane started to shake and everything was just, we're going to fall, the plane is going to fall, Mr. Mandela closed the newspaper and looked at all of us and say, where is your guys' faith? And <laughs> Reverend Jackson was standing up and he said, we have faith, <laughs> but oh, <laughs> the plane is falling. <laughs> And uh, Mr. Mandela said to him, can you please sit down? Let us have a minute of silence. Each one of you, pray for yourself. Yeah. And it was when this plane now is really going to fall, Mandela nodded his head and sat down just like that. We don't know what he was doing, whether he was praying or meditating or asking God to help us. And all of a sudden, the, 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 the pilot was saying, we're about to touch down, we're about to land. Um, he's going to do his utmost best to land this plane safe because what's on this plane are the world's most precious gifts. You with Mr. Nelson Mandela. The plane landed safely, but everybody was in a shock. Mm-hmm. Others had to get some tablets to take so they can calm their nerves. But there was immediately a press conference where these leaders had to address the people to say, this is what we are deciding that is going to be the best thing. But the plane never crashed. Then the Reader's Reader's Digest guy was asking Mr. Mandela, this was a horrible experience, but thank you 
that you were on the plane. Why were you so calm? He said, I knew it wasn't our time. And you must have faith at the point in time where the world and those who doesn't have faith, you must inspire at all times those who are really down and out. How yeah. do you inspire people that doesn't have hope? He asked the guy. And the guy said, I don't know how to do it. And he said, I just illustrated to you that by keeping quiet, fighting back with your mind, trusting in whoever you believe in. And then he asked him, who do you believe in? And he said, I will never tell you. I will not compromise my faith for cheap political gain. He told the guy. Hmm. Once again, and then the guy was completely off. He didn't suggest, what is his name again? I can't remember his name. But anyway, the plane didn't crash because of Nelson Mandela have deep faith, grounded mm -hmm. faith. And he knew that exercising his faith, that will, you know, just give hope to everybody on that plane. I love that. It reminds me of that scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. Yeah. And then also I just think that's so, um, I don't know, such a good lesson that to like let that fear go, just yeah. to let it go. Yeah. Um, I want to, first of all, thank you so much for doing this podcast. I really appreciate it. <laughs> you are more than welcome. I, I came all the way from uh, South Africa. South Africa. Africa. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and finding you, yeah, you oh, are yeah. doing an amazing job. Oh, thank By you. the way, let me tell you that you are blessed with a special a mission. This will be your mission in life for now. Mr. Mandela was very profound in what he was saying. Mm -hmm. If you believe that you can bring back the hearts of the fathers to the children, I love that. And if you believe that you can bring the children's heart back to their fathers mm -hmm. to create unity, mm -hmm. you are born for that. Yeah. Because if you are prepared to die for something, then that in itself is a selfless gift for humanity, for all humanity, in unity, we can achieve something. Yeah. But divided, we will fall. As I wanted to quote Nelson Mandela, yeah. I am prepared to die, is the name given to the three-hour speech given by Nelson Mandela on the 20th of April in 1964 from the dock of the defendant at the Rivonia trial in South Africa. The speech is so titled because it ends with a word. It is an ideal for which I am prepared to die. And this idea of you having unity have just inspired me. Listen to your gut and your mm -hmm. instincts and say, I want to make my country a better place. Our country needs us. It's not as what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let us not forget that. Yeah. Let us not, what Ms. Nelson Mandela said, in unity 
we can achieve the unachievable. Mm-hmm. In unity, we can stand as a human beings together, shoulder to shoulder, eye to eye, and conquer. We, as human beings, can start the change and be the change yeah. right now. Yeah. And I know, um, thank you again so much for all of your comments. And I, I feel like you've answered this a little bit, but I wanted to ask you again, what I like to ask everyone on my podcast, what does unity mean to you? It's a very beautiful question you pose to me. Unity starts with yourself. You have to make a conscious decision to say, I'm going to change for the better. Unity means for me so much because without unity we cannot build we cannot build the bridge where i will be part of that bridge the human bridge that we can build to say my friend you can walk over us over this bridge to reach the eternal life that you want your dreams that you want on the other side i will lay myself down for unity. It is important that we know as human beings to give ourselves selflessly, honestly, genuinely, sincerely, relentlessly to say, today I want to make a change and give myself selflessly for the cause of unity. That's how important unity is for me. And we can achieve this. It's an achievable goal. For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible when we join hands. When you cry, I cry. When you bleed, I bleed. When you are disenfranchised, I am standing with you. When you need me in times of trouble, I will be there. That is what unity means to me. I will not let my clothes and my wardrobes be full of clothes and I cannot clothe you. I will never deceive you. I will come and visit you when you are in jail, when you are in prison, when you are in hospital. That is the starting point of building. Unity means to build. Not negatively, mm-hmm. but to positive things. The things that can inspire all of us to unify us with love and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. That is the basics of unity. Love, more love, more love, reconciliation, forgiveness. Through that, we plant the seeds of unity. Let us go forth as from today onwards when Nelson Mandela was released 30 years from prison where his spirit lives on where he was a man of enormous stature and a person that didn't stand back to build. Let's build the United States of America. Let's come together under one umbrella 
and say, we as the American people love each other. We are a united front that is unstoppable. Mm -hmm. We want peace. We want reconciliation. And that is what the love for each other, the forgiveness for each other, that is what unity means for me. Remember the song. And maybe I can uh, do a remix with the song with, uh, with, with some powerful musicians that I've met here in the United States, Bruce Springsteen, Bono, and we can have a unity festival. That would be awesome. Yeah? <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> <I'm there. laughs> I, my, my hand is up, and okay. I say, let us start with something and make it happen. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's make unity happen. Let's really, honestly do some introspection in yourself and say to ourselves, after listening to this podcast, I'm going to get up and go make peace mm -hmm. with my neighbor, yeah. with my children, mm -hmm. with whoever. With I someone who has a different political ideology yeah. than me. <laughs> yeah. Even those people with a different ideology, mm -hmm. political ideology, yeah. show them unity. Mm -hmm. Show them love. Yeah. Show them reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Love your enemy. Mm -hmm. You show him hope mm -hmm. in saying, take my hand, my brother. I know, or my sister, I know you have a difficult, a different political view, but I still love you. Mm -hmm. After all, we are in all of this together. Mm -hmm. Let's unify and give the world and make this world a better place mm -hmm. for all of us. Thank you. I can't say it any better, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, you so are much. Such wonderful. <laughs> you have you you have brightened up. You're going to brighten up so many people around the world oh. and uh, your 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 podcast is amazing. Oh, what you stand for. Thank you. Um I'm just merely a person that came to America to say unity first. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> unity first. I love it. Second Jalo <laughs> Now is the time. Yes, now is the time for unity. For unity. You heard it yeah. from John Pretorius himself. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Everyone thank listening, you thank you for much. listening and until next time. I'm so grateful for John Pretorius for being on the episode and I loved so many of the insights he shared. I just felt like they were really powerful messages. We actually recorded this in the middle of February, so before a lot of things had changed and I loved what he shared about how when Nelson Mandela was in jail for 27 years, he turned a dungeon into university. I love the resilient mindset and I loved the message that he shared about being still. It's interesting because we actually recorded this, as I mentioned, in the middle of February. And if you listened to the podcast last week, you heard me talk about that message of being still and being calm. And it's interesting that this theme, I don't know if it's something that I just need to hear personally, but the power of being still in moments like when Nelson Mandela was on that plane and he was able to take a moment to be quiet, meditate. I feel like before we can create unity with others we have to have unity and calm within ourselves. and i love the advice that a way to do that is to meditate and pray and to have faith in god and to be still 
I'd love to hear your thoughts. Remember that it's okay to disagree. Unity comes when we can agree to disagree while still maintaining a love for one another. For more on unity, follow us on Instagram at finding.unity or on Twitter at finding underscore unity.